Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me is a silly goose, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey there, Cortland. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about fucking Bobcat. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to try to imitate his voice again because it's been a whole week, and I haven't listened to him, and that part of my brain just, like, fucking got rewritten over with new stuff. Was your throat sore for after that podcast? Yeah, it was. I've always wondered, like, his voice... That's probably why he doesn't do it anymore. Yeah, but he did it for, like, 20 fucking years. Well, he probably has fucking throat cancer by now. He just has a forever raspy voice. Yeah. Poor Bobcat. Pour one out for Bobcat. I couldn't even do it for, like, an hour. It was too much for me. Yeah. That part of his life is behind him. He goes by Robert Cat now. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like a gentleman's name. (laughs) <laughs> so did you do anything interesting or fun this week no yeah me neither a, <laughs> i've been listening to um like prom queen because it just came out this week and and when you called greg a wet blanket i was like oh my gosh i'm a wet blanket i don't do anything <laughs> yeah my blanket's fucking soaked nobody likes wet blankets <sighs> wet blankets and wet socks Oh, yeah, right? One time I went into my father-in-law's pool with socks on because I wanted to scrub, like, the algae and stuff that you can't really get easily with the vacuum, Mm -hmm. and it was the weirdest feeling. I hate the idea of, like, jumping in a pool with, like, your shoes and socks on. Ugh. Ugh. Not too long ago, I walked into work, and it was raining, Mm -hmm. and I managed to avoid puddles all the way until like two steps before work and then i stepped in like a six foot puddle and (laughs) i was completely soaked and that was just my day i just had yeah completely wet socks and i was just squelching all over the place squishing everywhere yeah i hate the i hate to imagine that that sounds like the worst yeah a lot of times so at my, at my job, I have to wear, um, like, no-slip shoes and stuff because there's a lot of oil on the ground and it mixes with water and shit and it gets slippery or whatever. Um, but I wear through my shoes because I get free shoes every year and I wear through them to the point where, like, holes come up and it's just, like, I hate stepping in fucking puddles when I got holes in my shoes. Yeah, puddles it's just suck worst. in general. They should just not happen. Yeah, just... Either be a large body of water or don't exist. But yeah, I haven't done fucking jack shit this week. Just been working. That's fun. I know. I've been working and fucking editing. I haven't even like turned on my PlayStation in a while. Yeah. We need to do some cool stuff. Uh, We do. I want to make some levels in Mario Maker, but I just haven't found time to do it. I haven't. Like, I've had time. Sometime, but I sit at the level maker and I'm just like, I got no inspiration. I've got mm-hmm. editor's block. It's just nothing there. See, what I do is I just kind of go with it. I don't think of anything beforehand. I just kind of do it. Maybe that's my problem. I'm always like in my mind like, oh, I've, I want to have this theme and I want it to <laughs> have this kind of atmosphere and flow. And I just nah, want it to feel I just like go. this. And then I like put down a few land pieces and I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> this isn't interesting. 
sometimes I'll be like, oh, I want this to be like a fire themed level. And then I'll just put like some fucking fireballs you got to dodge in it. Or like, oh, I want this one to be, you know, a wall kicking level. But other than that, I just go with it. And then what happens happens. And if it sucks, I don't get any likes on the Mario Maker <laughs> online thing. Yes. Which I don't get any anyway, even if my level's a masterpiece. Right. So and it's just matter. an existential crisis. Everyone yeah. hates you and your levels and it's you're just worthless. like podcasting. Hey, <laughs> that's right. Except everybody loves us. Well, do you want to talk about this episode we just got done watching? No. All right. Let's talk about Mario Maker some more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the episode. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so we just got done watching the tale of Midnight Madness. Um, I, I like this episode a lot. How about you? I liked it a whole lot. Yeah. It was good. Season two's got a, like a really nice start. Hopefully nothing fucks it up. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> When's Kristen's next story? I'm not telling. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a great episode. The acting in it was amazing. Well, amazing. Yeah, I'm going to go with amazing. I think it was amazing. And the, the setting was cool. And... The monster was great. It was a very... I think it was It was cool. In the last episode, Jill's acting was really good. Like, not just for a kid's show. Like, I thought she did really well. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, I think the characters... The young characters were really good as well. So, the acting yeah. and the production quality of these last two episodes has been a big increase from the first season, I think. Yeah, I agree. It was great. Yeah, so it's, you know, exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens later on. Because being a kid, you know, I don't look at that kind of shit. I don't care how the kids act or, like, you know, the production value or what kind of camera tricks they're going to use. I just care about getting spooked. Yeah, that's why you tune in. Yeah, it was, you know, mindless entertainment for me. And now looking looking back on it as an adult is just such such a cool experience because... It's a treat. There's so many more things to to look for. And this episode in particular has a lot of things going on that I never would have picked up on as a kid. And I can't well, wait to talk about them. Yeah, let's get into those. Let's do it. So this episode begins with Gary and Betty Ann already around the lit campfire. And there's a point of view shot, like in a scary movie, um, of some something walking up on them. Not really sure why they do that. No, there's quite a few of those shots in this episode. So I think it's setting up a a theme. theme. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense later, but for now, they don't really do anything with it. Because Kristen comes walking up with some firewood, and then Kiki just pushes her, um, saying, come on, let's get this shit show over with. It's getting late. And Kristen asks, what's the rush? And David says, it's Fright Night at the Majestic Theater. And Kiki adds in that it's a Gorarama triple feature Mac up and we've got free passes. <laughs> Gary, Gary's like, cool. What's playing? You know? And it sounded mm-hmm. to me like, he's like, Hey guys, uh, you gonna, you gonna invite your old pal Gare Bear? Uh, <laughs> he's fishing for an invite. Yeah. Not he totally happen, was. <laughs> they don't want you. there. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't even fucking acknowledge him. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like everyone's always late. So, yeah. like, that's not new. But for them to be like, oh, it's getting late. Like, it's a midnight society. It's always late. It starts late. That's the point of this. <laughs> Don't be in a midnight society if you're like, oh, guys, it's close to midnight. I gotta go. 
<laughs> yeah, you don't make plans with your friends and then like be like, "Come on, I'm on a deadline here. I have to go fucking or play with my other friends." Like that's rude. <laughs> yeah. Kiki doesn't pick up on Gary's hint at all, and she's like, "Who gives a shit what's playing? Let's just get this crappy story over with." And Kristen giggles a little bit while supporting a incredibly sweet side ponytail. Yeah, there's some really good side ponytails in this show. It was yeah. I I personally love side ponytails. Are they um, a thing anymore? Are they coming no, back into fashion? I like I wish they would, because honestly, I love them. They're just so fun. If I could rock a side pony, I would I would totally do it. Yeah. Um, in a couple of years when I get a hair transplant and stuff and I have long, flowing, like gorgeous hair, I'm going to be like, side ponytail, bringing it back. Not really. That's never going to happen. <laughs> if only. <laughs> My hair's gone and it's never coming back. <laughs> so Frank comes up and he says he went to Fright Night once and he's never going back. And just like my hair. <laughs> <laughs> just like the side ponytail. It's never yeah. coming back. <laughs> Betty Ann asks him why not. And then we get a sweet throwback to uh, Eric or Times. When we found out that Frank's afraid of the dark. And it's Kiki that tells him that. Because she's like, well, Frank's afraid of the dark. And everybody laughs at him. But they don't mention Eric at all. <laughs> No, Eric just doesn't exist as far as they're concerned. Yeah, he doesn't exist and he never did. No, <laughs> he got blinked out of existence. <laughs> just, just The tale just, of the missing boy. Yeah, the fucking Eric's parents are just like, guys, where is he? And they just still meet in the Midnight Society and laugh about it, but they don't talk he about him. He got turned into a frog. He's gone. <laughs> Frank sits down at the storyteller's throne and says he's not going to go back because sometimes you sit there so long watching these movies that you start to forget that the real world even exists. The only thing that seems to be real is the horror movie up on the screen. Mm. That sounds a whole lot like last week's episode, Frank. I think that's just you, Frank. <laughs> that could be. I don't <laughs> think I've ever... Well, I don't know. He's I mean, there's been the movies that I'm like thinking about afterwards, but... That's not Every really time you watch a movie, you hallucinate that what is happening is really <laughs> happening. Right, guys? <laughs> no, Frank. No, just you. <laughs> the camera does some cool work with Frank in the background, uh, middle of the shot, and Kiki and David are on the left and right in the foreground, and the, the camera focuses on David and Kiki as they look at each other for like uh, moral support, I guess. <laughs> but it looks pretty cool. I took it as them being like, ooh, because he was like the horror movie on screen. And then they looked at each other like, uh-oh, we're going to see a horror movie. <laughs> we're finna going to go see one. <laughs> how how convenient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kristen looks bored for a moment and Frank continues saying, this is what my story's about. You know, when you get really scared, you can always tell yourself it's just a movie. But sometimes a movie seems so real that it's hard to tell what's the difference between make-believe and what's really there. The kids all look at each other and Frank grabs a fistful of that monkey bone dust. He tosses it into the fire and the tale of Midnight Madness begins. I'm not wrong though. This is the same thing that Kristen said about the tale of the final wish. Like, oh, this girl believes it so hard she can't tell the difference between reality and make-believe. That's just... That's exactly what Frank just said. I mean, that was kind of true in that case, 
but it's not really relevant to this story. No, it's not. The things that happen really happen. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, like, even in Final Wish, she didn't, you know, she held on to being a child, but it's not like she was like, fairies are real. and She just she was likes just a normal girl. Stuff. She was trying yeah. to escape her hellish life by, like, <laughs> yeah. A, Going into this other fantasy land in books. Yeah, she just enjoyed reading. And Kristen was like, yeah, this fucking idiot. She doesn't even know what real life's about. It's about makeup. Boys. This dum-dum. Reading <laughs> books. She didn't even have a side ponytail. Like, come on. She <laughs> like, didn't deserve wow. friends. She didn't even walk slowly or say Mon Petit Rouge. Oh, man. So the story starts in the front of a movie theater where the best movie ever is playing. Did you read that? Yes, I read it. The Bostics of Beacon Hill? What Are you the fucking hell? kidding me? What the <laughs> hell is that? I don't know. The I Bostics. looked it up and it's not a real movie. But I was just like, what a fucking awesome callback is. Is Bostics a thing? In what Canada? is a What is a, a Bostic? I don't know. I always think of Bosco sticks, which are breadsticks with like cheese in the middle of them. I mean, sure, that sounds good. But what would the Bostics of Beacon Hill be about? I don't know. We're going to have to ask that old woman that goes to every fucking showing of every movie <laughs> in this episode. Yeah, she's got free passes or something. I love that old woman. Uh, we move inside to the theater room where a single guest is viewing the end of this incredible movie, which is the old woman I just talked about. It's assumed that Bostick just won the 600 and the movie finishes. <laughs> the old woman inside is clapping, kind of like golf clapping, I guess. Um, yeah. And we, we shift to outside the room where our main hero, Pete, is cleaning up the theater. Out walks the old woman and Pete asks her if she enjoyed the film, which uh, we we just watched her clap, so I'd say she probably did. But she responds by giving an eh shrug, and she silently walks away. From the sidewalks, Pete's co-worker, Katie, and Pete looks at her saying, everybody's a critic. And Katie's like, let's go, this place is depressing. But Pete, being the best employee ever, says he's got to clean the aisles first, and he goes to do that. How much could there be to clean? There was one woman... She throwing yes. popcorn at the screen and, like, dropping her cup of soda? Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, maybe. they. She comes every single day, and he's got to go clean, so he's probably like, God, old lady just shat in the aisle again. Gotta go fucking clean her mess up. Yeah, when he asks her if she liked the movie, like, she kind of snubbed him, so she probably hates him, and she, like, gets to the end of the movie and just dumps her shit on the floor, like, clean that up. <laughs> you pesky teenagers don't know the fucking work. We don't make them work. <laughs> You don't know nothing about Bostick. <laughs> She's there every single day, so they probably know what the deal is with her. So the scene shifts over to some balding and greasy looking dude. And he's fingering around in the cash register, complaining about how they only made six bucks tonight. And Katie explains to him that they sold one popcorn and two sodas. But Pete bought the second soda. So yeah, all six bucks are accounted for. And, and this guy, who we can assume is the manager of the theater, is like, Friday's supposed to be a good night. And Katie says, six bucks is a good night. So it sounds like this incredibly amazing looking movie theater just doesn't get any business. It is a huge theater. 
it's a really good looking theater and I it's impossible to believe that nobody goes to it even if they do play just old shit movies like well I, oof, I shouldn't say that <laughs> the Bostics of Beacon Hill is probably amazing <laughs> yeah other than masterpieces like the Bostics of Beacon Hill yeah all they play is the old fucking cowboy movie that <laughs> probably sucks so Pete walks by and he says wow this job's getting tough I had to pick up two of these things tonight and he shakes a cup and the manager's like yeah laugh it up just wait till they close this place down and you're on the streets Pete says the Rialto is a landmark but that doesn't matter the manager says because the owners don't like losing money and while this guy's talking he's been struggling to get this tray out of the register and then he yells about how good lord is everything busted in this joint and Pete calmly assists the man and gets the drawer out of the cash register just really easily and the manager growls as a thank you and he walks away and Katie comes up to Pete and tells him that this place would fall apart if he wasn't there and Pete tells her it's falling apart anyway as he's looking around and then Katie says hey maybe we can reuse these referring to the two cups of soda they sold today and I was just like what? <laughs> I mean that'd save can't like do that. eight cents yeah. <laughs> the business is saved Yay, they don't have to close the Rialto. Let's take a moment, um, and we should probably describe Pete and Katie now, because they're, I mean, they're the two main characters. So, they look like they're probably around, like, 17, do you think? Yeah, 16, 17. Yeah, like, they're old, this is, like, their first job, probably. Of course, they're wearing their job uniform, which is, like, a tan vest over a white shirt. Um, Peter, look, he's kind of athletic looking, um, and I gotta say, he's, he might be one of my favorite heroes in the show so far. Yeah, I liked him a lot. He's nice, he's dedicated to his job, and he's just all around a really cool guy. I'd, I'd want to be friends with him if I were 17. And Katie, she seems like a pretty sweet girl, too. She's got some really weird quirks about them soda cups, but uh, aside from that, she's a pretty good, pretty cool character. I think it's a great cast of characters. She's alright. She wasn't my favorite. I don't dislike her. She doesn't do a whole lot, no. but... She's, I don't know. I like it when she screams. I don't know. <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> she seems like a cool person. As far as the manager, though, I don't really feel like talking about him much because he's <laughs> stupid. He's, uh, yeah, not a very likable character. No, he's just an, he's got that Brooklyn accent and he just tries really hard to be a slam ball kind of. Yeah. He plays the role well, I guess. Mm, yeah, I'll give it to him, yeah. So Pete comes up behind Katie and he says, do you really think they're going to shut us down? And she's like, I don't know, but I'm applying for a job over at the quad. Pete gets upset about that because she's going to be, she's going to go work for a franchise or something instead of like this mom and pop place. But Katie's like, they got lines around the block and I really need a job. And Pete asks Katie, Hey, uh, you want to get something to eat? And she's like, Oh, no, I got homework. (laughs) Yeah, thanks anyway. And Pete sighs a few times before getting back to work cleaning. Like, he just sighs really loud a couple of times, right, right when she's... Yeah, he's, very, that he's very obvious about things. Just he like, asks her out uh, like 30 times in this episode, or tries to. Yeah. And, I mean, spoilers, uh, she likes him too, though, so I don't know. It is weird. Maybe this is just like the awkward teenage kind of like, oh, shit. I have homework, you know, I don't know. I've uh, got diarrhea. Gotta go. (laughs) 
In the next scene, Pete is outside in the winter and he's handing out flyers for the theater. And we get a voiceover from Frank saying that Pete couldn't stand to see the Rialto die. So he started a campaign to keep it open. The people Pete tries to hand his flyers to don't seem interested at all, though, unfortunately. So we shift scenes over to a telephone pole where Pete places a flyer on it that says, save the Rialto, see a movie the old fashioned way. I can't imagine like come watch shitty old movies is a big draw. I mean, it is for that old woman, I guess. (laughs) I mean, if they were playing like Casablanca and shit like that, people would be like, yeah, I'd like to see that on the big screen. My theater nearby, they do like a old movies during the week, like, but they're the classic ones that are like, you know, like Back to the Future and The Sound of Music and, you know, Citizen Kane and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But I still don't really have any interest to go see them. Yeah, but would you be more interested if it was a Bostic movie? Yeah. If some if the Bostics of Deep Beacon Hill came out, I would have to be like, what? <laughs> I have to see this. What is going on? Yeah, pre-order your like, ticket. Sweetie, sweetie, we got to go. We need to go see the Bostics of Beacon Hill. She'd be like, we don't even have what a babysitter. And I'd be like, I don't give a fuck. Let's go. What's a Bostic? We're going. <laughs> He's probably going to win the 600. I have to see this. <laughs> don't you want to see what happens with the 600? <laughs> He's going to get a medal. A medal, honey. <laughs> so we shift back into the theater where the same old lady from before is back. And she slams her cup on the table and walks past Pete and Katie with no emotion on her face. And Katie looks into the cup, dumps the ice out onto the floor, and puts it back on the stack of cups. Ugh. And Frank's still talking here saying, unless a miracle happens, the Rialto was doomed. Oh, well. It's been a good run. Yeah, right? They, at least they got... All the cups that they started with. <laughs> Take that six bucks. <laughs> yeah, right. Bye, they uh... just sweep the old nasty popcorn from the floor and put it back in the machine to resell. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene, Pete looks like he's just getting in for the day and he walks in these big double doors and is about to lock them. But Katie's like, wait, I'm here too. And he's like, oh, whoops, almost locked you out. And Katie says, oh, don't bother locking it. No one comes in here when we're open. And she pats him on the shoulder. No one comes in there anyway. That's the problem. <laughs> All right. They only have one customer and it's an old woman <laughs> with a sweet hat on. Yes. Just keep her happy and you're all good. Yeah. She's funding. Well, I guess give she's her, not doing a very good job, but. <laughs> give her the floor popcorn and the floor ice. <laughs> she just gets the same she reused cup it. every single day. Ah, yes. I remember this one. <laughs> ah, the one from my youth. Ah, there's my gum. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Pete locks the door anyway and they walk away as we're treated to a shadow walking up to those very same doors. A Carmen Sandiego looking silhouette. Oh my gosh, right? (laughs) Did you know what was coming like when you seen the shadow? No, of course not. Okay, awesome. (laughs) There's like nothing nothing to tip the surprise. Such a surprise. The two take off their coats and they get ready to start working and Katie asks him how the campaign is going. Pete tells her he worked at the zoning commission to get landmark status for the theater, but it won't be that easy. The shadow looms closer to the door. It, this episode does that a lot where like it'll be Pete and Katie talking and then it'll switch over to like a shadow moving and then it'll switch back to Pete and Katie. So back inside, Katie tells Pete that she hates to say this, but it sounds like you're just dreaming. Why don't you just 
but she's interrupted by something knocking on the door and Pete shouts out that we're not open for another hour, but they continue to knock on the door. So Pete hops over the counter and he's yelling at him saying, come back in an hour. And they shake the door more and Pete goes up to unlock it. But as he reaches for the lock, it starts moving all by itself and the doors open almost like magic. And someone wearing a giant rimmed hat walks in and Katie asks who they are. And the man raises his head and it's goddamn Dr. Vink. Holy shit. Yeah, right? This motherfucker. He's back. Yeah. Did you think at all it would mean to be Dr. Vink? No, it never even entered my mind. But, <laughs> I mean, this is only the second story from Frank, and he's got a theme. He does, and it's Dr. Vink. I gotta say, he did such a better job with this Vink yeah, reincarnation. Yeah, I thought, I thought so. He I, was incredible. I did not really like Dr. Vink in his first appearance. It didn't leave a great impression on me. Yeah. But he left enough of an impression that when he showed up in this episode, I was like, oh, it's Dr. Vink. Yeah, but right? in this episode, I think he did fantastic. The array of emotions and some of his acting was just so incredible. And I was just like, damn, he nailed this one. Yeah. I don't remember how many more Vinks we get, but... We should probably rate all the Vink, all the Vink and maybe Sardo appearances later. You know, once we do like our series wrap up, because you know we got to do that. I don't yeah. think we should rate every single episode like you know one to ninety three or whatever, because that would take forever. Well, Hungry but, Hounds is number ninety three. Saying it now for now. <laughs> we'll see what happens. From the episodes that you do remember, you don't got to yeah. tell me anything about it, but is okay. there an episode you know of that's worse than Hungry Hounds? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Say no more. Um, I. You know what, though? It might be because it just constantly played on repeats and it was just like, ugh, you know, this fucking episode again. Ugh, Hungry Hounds 2, god damn it. Uh, yeah, right? Hungrier Hounds. <laughs> Hungry Hounds 2, the Hungrier Hounds. <laughs> They're still hungry. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to give any spoilers away because that's just yeah. that just ain't me, man. But I'm pretty confident that there's going to be worse episodes than Hungry Hounds. All right. Can't wait. I know, right? So Vink walks by the kids and he says, perfect. Absolutely perfect. And Pete tells them that they're not open yet, which, of course, Vink ignores. And he's like, that smell. It's wonderful. No modern theater has that smell. Yeah, he's like way into this place. He's like, I love mm, the theater. Mm, that smell. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, settle down, dude. <laughs> the, the kids walk up to him, and Katie says it's just the smell of stale popcorn. And Pete just says, Okay, what do you want? He pulls out Pete's flyer, and he says, It's not what I want, it's what you want. Is this flyer your handiwork? And Pete says, yeah. And Vink gets really excited saying he's come to the right place. And he laughs and he hands Katie his hat and he walks away. And Kate tells Pete that this guy's a nutbag and she's going to call the police. Is that Frank's favorite insult? Yeah, I think that this happens all the time for Vink anyway, that somebody calls him a nutbag. Um, Pete's like, hold on, hold on. Let's let's follow the guy. So they do. And he's in the theater room screaming about how marvelous everything is. Yeah, he's rubbing the chairs like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's oh chairs. <laughs> he is a nutbag. He kind of is, yeah, a little bit. 
especially what he does to these poor people. So (laughs) Pete tells him he's not supposed to be in here and out pops the manager from behind a curtain yelling, what is this? Who are you? And Vink twirls around to give him his catchphrase again. But the manager guy doesn't care. And he's like, whatever you're selling, we ain't buying. Not with six bucks, they ain't. Oh, right. I got to say, though, why are all of these characters there an hour early? If they don't have any... I thought the same thing. What the hell are they doing for an hour? You start the popcorn machine, you pick up the cups off the ground and put them back on the pile, like, done. Yeah, but even so, Pete already cleaned everything up before they locked up the night before, so no wonder they're losing money. (laughs) Get there maybe 15 minutes early? Not an hour. I don't know. I've never worked at a theater. Do the projectors take a long time to set up or something? Maybe because they're playing old ass movies that they got to like hand crank the projector and like start yeah. it up with a gas engine or something. They got to blow into them like old Nintendo games <laughs> to get them to work. <laughs> yeah, right. Vink walks up slowly saying, my good man, I've come to save your theater and it won't cost you a dime. He turns around to walk away, but then quickly turns back to the group of people pointing at Katie and says, and I am not a nutbag. Won't cost you a dime, just a few hands and brains and shit. (laughs) Yeah, right. Just your theater in general. (laughs) I'm just going to fucking cast this voodoo spell on all these people and make them love my movie. He walks over to the theater screen and says, I'm a filmmaker, or at least I used to be, back when theaters like this were commonplace, before wide screens and color and fucking sound, and back when films tried to stir the imagination and not bludgeon it. And then Katie asks Vink how old he is, and he says, I'm old enough to know when things have changed. That doesn't really answer the question. No, right? I mean, when did silent movies come out? Like the 20s? Yeah, like 28. Was it before that? 27, 28. Okay. Yeah. So if he remembers that shit, he is an old man. And you know what? We just talked about this, uh, I think, in the first episode. So I guess it was like 13 or 14 weeks ago. But, you know, Aaron Tagger, who played Vink, just died this year. So maybe he does actually remember silent films. Who knows? The manager guy tries to interrupt Vink, but Vink don't give a shit about that because he continues saying his films were quite popular, you know, and he drops his hat on the stage. He says they always had a certain, and he bends down and drapes his cape over his hat because, by the way, he's wearing a fucking cape, and he unveils it, and it shows a container that holds a film reel, and he finishes saying, magic, and Pete's like, how did you do that? Which Vink ignores, and he picks up his (laughs) film saying, that this is one he made years ago. It's a horror film, a vampire film. Nightly Neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> a vampire film, to be precise. And it's quite unique, for in my story, the vampire wins. So yeah, it's Nightly Neighbors. Yeah. Good job spoiling your ending before anybody's seen it. I know. I thought the same damn thing. We don't even know need to know that because they don't even watch it for like another five minutes. But the manager guy wants to know what his angle is, pal. And Vink points at him and he says, My good man, I'll make you a promise. Show my film at your theater and people will flock to see it. Your fortunes will turn and you will make far more than six bucks a night. I like how he said that. I know, me too. It was amazing. Six bucks. Six bucks. (laughs) Six bucks. And you'll make far more than six bucks. (laughs) how did he know that he only made six bucks though i don't know (laughs) he wasn't there no oh well whatever it was funny though so i'm gonna let it slide (laughs) 
He is magic, though, so. He is, yeah. He can open doors and fucking locks and shit. The first episode that isn't a Betty Ann episode where somebody breaks into something, so. (laughs) The kids look at each other, and the manager guy says, A black and white silent film is going to turn this place around. That ain't a vampire movie. That's a fairy tale. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the shit they show anyway. I know, right? They're That's not playing goddamn Die this. Hard. They're playing they're Bostics of <laughs> They're playing like fucking Midnight Cowboy or something. <laughs> they wish. <laughs> it yeah, it didn't that part doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. So Vink's like, you don't have to believe me, just show my film once and you'll see. As for payment, and the manager guy interrupts him saying, Ah, here we go. Vink says, I don't want money. All I ask is that once your success is assured you give me one night a week of your choosing to show my other films to the public. Manager guy gets extra greasy with him saying, if your films could do as you say, I'll give you three nights plus a cut of the vending. <laughs> um, that's a freaking great deal, though. Don't you think? I mean, if things go as planned, yeah. It's like they go from making absolutely no money to a successful one that makes lots of money. Yeah, it's like if this one film is so good that it draws a huge crowd, don't you think his other films would also draw a huge crowd? Even if they don't, losing one night but having one really successful night seems That's like... a good deal. It seems like a very yeah. generous deal for on Vink's part. At the same time, if this crazy nutbag guy came into your building was like, oh, I guarantee this shit film will make you... <laughs> You know, your theater popular, you wouldn't believe him either. No, I guess so. Not. In theory, it's a good deal, but at the same time, I can't blame anyone for hesitating. I mean, knowing what we know, it's a good deal, but at the same time, they really have nothing to lose, it seems. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, Vink's like, I don't want your fucking popcorn money, just one night a week. Do we have a deal? And he stretches out his hand for a shake, and the manager guy kind of looks like he's in a little trance, I guess, but. I don't get it. And he shakes Vink's hand and Vink gets up, but he accidentally knocks his film case over and Pete screams. He's like, look out. And he grabs it. And the manager guy's like, look, buddy, maybe you better. And then the camera pans back on stage, but Vink is gone. And they're like, where'd he go? And the manager guy says back to Mars where he came from. And there's a pause. And Katie asks if they should show the movie. And the manager guy responds, that guy's a loony. Throw it out. And of course they don't throw it out or else we wouldn't have an episode. We get Frank's voiceover as we see Pete handing out more flyers outside. Frank says Pete put the film in the projection booth and they forgot all about it. But he didn't forget his mission to save the Rialto. Though it was looking pretty bad. Bills were piling up and ticket sales were going down. How did ticket sales go down? It's one old woman. (laughs) (laughs) Did she stay home that night? And they're like, oh, we're fucking doomed. Taking a day off. Like she had... I don't know. What's an old woman problem? Being old? Yeah. She was old and couldn't <laughs> make it that day. <laughs> Back in the theater, Katie is just stealing some candy and eating it while she's flipping through, like, I don't know, a yearbook? She looks like she's looking through a yearbook. Why not? And we, sh- we shift to the manager who's frustrated. And he's looking at these bills and he throws his pencil and he looks real pissed. And Frank then voices over saying it was only a matter of time before the owner pulled the plug and shut the old theater down forever. And during that voiceover, the manager pulls out a fucking flask and just starts day drinking in his office. Yeah. Edgy. What? 
I know for a kid's show. I mean, obviously, as a kid, I didn't notice. Nickelodeon, what are like, you what doing? What the fuck? He's day drinking. <laughs> there could be anything in that alcohol flask. I'm just drinking some Kool Aid over here. Over here, just drinking Kool Aid. It's just water. <laughs> Sometimes oh, I get so stressed. I drink Gatorade from my flask. <laughs> Keeps me hydrated. <laughs> Frank continues saying, One Saturday night, things took an interesting turn, and we're shown the theater room playing what looks like an old western, and this time there's actually a few people in there. Uh, but, of course, the old woman's there too, but, you know, there's like, I don't know, ten people maybe? Yeah, surprising. I guess we get a look at the film reel and the, the, the case containing Vink's masterpiece and Pete and Katie walk into the office of the manager guy who is probably bombed by now and he sighs really loud and Pete looks at Katie and he says something tells me that this is probably going to be some bad news and the manager just got the word that they close in two weeks and he gets up and he hands Pete the eviction notice and Pete looks at it and he throws that shit right on the ground and he's clearly upset by this and he storms out of the room and then we get shown Vink's film case again, and now it begins glowing red, and it's like shaking open a little bit, like the root cellar from Dark Music. Pete and Katie walk out to the concession stand, and Pete's really upset that the place might be closing, and he says they can't just close a landmark. Katie tries to, like, make him feel better, I guess? I don't know. She's really. Like, she says that she thinks maybe they can. Uh, but anyway, we get a good look at the film reel for the cowboy movie, and the shit just catches on fire, and it smokes, and 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 shit. And we look at the screen of the movie, and it just melts away. And back at the concession stand, Pete's like, "Oh, now what?" And the two run up to the projection booth, and the cowboy film is just all over the fucking place, it's just like, dripping it's all over. So one time, a long time ago, my wife and I went to go see Wanted. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, with Angelina Jolie. Yeah. So we went to go see this movie and it was ridiculous because we had to go from one theater and then they kicked us out and we moved to a different theater. Why? They were just having problems. And then they moved us from that second theater back to the original theater. It was really weird. I don't know why. And so after like half an hour or something, we finally get to watch this movie and we get maybe 45 minutes into the movie and... I don't know. It was like an action scene or something. And like this little hole appeared in the middle of the movie and, and it just went and this, it just like melted from the inside out. And I was like, is this, is this part of the movie? Like, is this part of the movie? What's going on? Is the movie supposed to melt? Yeah. I was like, well, it was like, did something like shoot and this is an effect or something. And it, it wasn't. Because it it melted really slowly, like mm-hmm. like the the <laughs> the hole that, in the middle happened and it just <laughs> expanded out. <laughs> that would be like some eternal darkness like style trolling. Like oh, oh we God, made you right? think your movie melted. <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever. It was crazy. I can't believe that happened. I'm so glad it did though. I, to this so day, though, what, I've, I've never seen the end of Wanted. <laughs> so what happened? Did you get a refund? We got tickets um, to go see like a free movie uh, at another date, and we ended up going see going to go see Wally with it. Oh. 
Yeah. It was just incredible. I'm so glad it happened to us because we laugh about it. Like every time we go to the movies, we're like, is it going to melt again? I hope so. <laughs> Aside from all the waiting we had, because everybody, the theater was like packed and everybody was just like, what the fuck do we do? You know, like everybody was just sitting down. And then this one girl was like, I'm going to go and complain for all of us. And we were like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. It was just. It was crazy. What was the reaction like the second time when they were like, uh, actually, come back to the original theater? Everybody was really annoyed. Because <laughs> I could imagine the first time, you're like, ugh, this is inconvenient. But then you go sit down in the second theater and they're like, um, actually, uh, yeah. just come right back. That's <laughs> like, exactly what happened. fucking kidding me? And, you know, it sucked too because I used to have, like, this phobia of, like, being shot in the back of the head at a movie theater. So I always wanted <laughs> okay. to have the seats that were, I know... I know I'm weird. So I always wanted to have the seats that were like as far back as possible, you know, so nobody could get the drop on me because I'm that important in life. And where's Cortland? <laughs> gotta, gotta get him. Uh, he's in that movie theater. Old no, women. Wait, he's in that other one. <laughs> There's just old ladies everywhere. Where's Cortland? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was difficult for me to get, like, the seat I wanted. I don't really care. Like, it's one of those things that's in the back of my mind when I go to see movies now, but I don't really mm, have it <laughs> interrupt an interesting me. choice of words. Yeah. I, I don't let it, like, make me have a bad seat anymore. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so I've never seen The End of Wanted, and I'm really glad that happened because it was a really funny experience. And Wally was probably pretty good. It was, yeah. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your theater ticket taker. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of our podcast covering the classic episode, The Tale of the Midnight Madness. You know what? Actually, thank you for listening to our podcast in general. Brandon and I really appreciate it, and this week we hit 1,500 total downloads, which is incredible. If you're interested in helping and supporting the show, we've created a Patreon. Any and all donations will go right back into the podcast to improve things like our audio equipment our editing software, and for purchasing things like the Are You Afraid of the Dark books for our bonus episodes. Speaking of bonus episodes, our Silver Goth and Golden Bostic tiers, they give you access to additional bonus episodes, such as unedited past episodes and exclusive Patreon bonus episodes that'll be available at a later time. So check us out at patreon.com slash private island. If you're looking for a clickable link to the Patreon, our Twitter, or Instagram, you can check the episode descriptions where everything can be found in one easy-to-click link. Be sure to check our Instagram weekly for updates on our new episodes and short biographies of the characters within each episode. It's a great refresher or introduction to the cast of characters in each tale. Our Twitter is nearing our first 150 followers. So if you have yet to follow us, you should. We're real great. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell a friend or a family member about it. Everyone wins when there's Are You Afraid of the Dark involved. If you're feeling fancy, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's a quick and easy way to put a smile on our faces. If you guys are feeling chatty, you can always email us. That's at privateislandpresents at gmail.com. I check it all the time, every day, and we've already gotten a few fan emails. I'd love to have some more. If you guys have watched the new trailer for the Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, miniseries coming later this year, and you just got to let us know what you think about it, just let us know. Email us. It's quick, easy. I will respond. 
As always, I'd like to thank All Hail the Badger for his work on the music for our podcast, aside from this theme that you're hearing right now from Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. For now, I'll let you get back to our coverage on the tale of the Midnight Madness. Be sure to check out our third bonus episode coming out on Thursday, covering chapters 6 and 7 of the Nightly Neighbors book. Until then, guys, I'll talk to you later. Bye! But let's get back to this this episode. <laughs> All right, if we have to. <laughs> yeah, right. So they're up in this uh, up in this booth. The film is just everywhere, and Katie's like, "What happened?" And Pete says, "I don't know." And then Katie walks down, or she walks back, saying she's gonna go handle the refunds. But Pete stops her and says, "Wait." And he looks over at Vink's film and he says, "I got an idea." So Katie goes down to the audience who are all disgruntled and getting ready to leave and she gets their attention and she tells them that they've had some technical difficulties with tonight's film and that we won't be able to continue with the showing. In the audience is that same old lady who comes every fucking day and she's shaking her head in disappointment and Katie stops the guests and says, But we've got a special surprise. We're going to be showing a classic film from the golden age of silent movies instead. And the audience is still pissed. Yeah, they're like, uh, no thanks. Yeah, they're all groaning and getting ready to leave. But Katie says, wait. And if you stay for the showing and are completely satisfied, you'll still get a full refund when you leave. And the same old lady walks up to Katie and says, this better be good, young lady. My time is valuable. And I fucking love that old lady. Yeah. Why would she offer them a refund if they like the movie? I didn't really get that part either. I don't know. My only thing was like, maybe it's like, oh, for good faith so that they'll come back. But if you give somebody a refund for something and they enjoy it, they're just going to try and scam it out of you again anyway. Yeah, I can see why this place makes six bucks a night. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like Everybody who enjoys their movie gets to watch it for free. Yeah. Just pay for this recycled popcorn. Recycled cups, popcorn, even the fucking sodas recycled. (laughs) We vacuumed it off the floor. Suctioned it out of the seats. <laughs> Sponged it, it up and ringed it out into this cup. <laughs> so Katie tells them to the enjoy the show and then she runs out. And on the screen, we see this movie is called Nosferatu, the Demon Vampire. Did you think at all that it was going to be Nosferatu? No, I didn't. I don't think you like Nosferatu. Am I right? I'm scared of the vampire from Nosferatu. <laughs> Honestly. <That's a> shame. <laughs> I've never seen the movie, but I've seen clips and yeah. it's it's always disturbed me. The very long fingers, the weird like buck teeth fangs. Does the Nosferatu actually have those buck teeth looking things? Yeah. I mean, okay. they're way better looking in the actual movie. Yeah, okay, good. He's creepier in the actual movie, but the they get the idea. Yeah, I think the makeup was good. He looks the veining on his head is kind of weird, uh, but yeah, I did not like that. It didn't look good. Aside from that, and a few other um, makeup choices, I thought that he was sufficiently creepy. Yeah, like he Nosferatu starts starts on the screen, and we get to see him for the first time, and he's got these long like hand claws and and two fucking buck fang teeth. Uh, so one guy in the crowd, he like lowers in his seat like he's scared. One girl smiles like she's she's gonna like it, and that old lady is just like like ooh, like it's weird. 
So the scene shifts to Pete, who's outside the theater room, and all the guests walk by him, talking about how the movie was so scary, and they're going to be having nightmares for weeks. And the old lady walks up to him and says, Show more classes like that, kid, and you might get a couple more customers. And she laughs, and she hands him her cup and says, See you tomorrow. Yeah, they are into it. They Everybody is walking past like, that shit was dope. That was better than fucking Bostick at Beacon Hill. <laughs> so <laughs> Pete's shock, like shockingly says, you're welcome. Tell your friends. And Katie comes up to him and says that all the customers loved it and they didn't even ask for a refund. And the kids get excited and Pete screams, yes. And he grabs Katie in a hug and he spins her around and he sets her down and he says, we got a hit. And she's like, yeah. And Pete's like, let's hug again. And he does oh, just God. that. That's like, it was the, so funny. Ugh, oh. So awkward. It was, I was awkward, but I was like, oh, that's so cute. Let's hug again. Like, let's hug again. <laughs> You're so like, desperate. We know it. she likes him, but yes, but like she isn't really showing signs that she likes him. And he just doesn't oh, take the hint. No, it was so awkward, and I just loved it. I think that's why I like him so much. <laughs> He's so funny. He's very likable, but man. Mid-hug, Katie's like, uh, Pete? And Pete apologizes for, you know, overstepping <laughs> his boundaries. Yeah. But she's like, no, isn't this exactly what the what Dr. Vink said was going to happen? And Pete's like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. And then he says... Um, I couldn't quite make out what he said. I think he says that stalker stuff. You probably didn't give know. it a second thought, did you? <laughs> no, I, I that exact line. I was like, what did he say? And I asked my wife and she didn't know either. So, yeah, we'll never know. I guess not. I because... think he might have said something about stalking stuff. Oh, you know what? Maybe they run to go and stock like the concession stand because Katie does that all the fucking time in this episode. That's all they Maybe do. That's, that's what all they can do. They don't, don't have any other work. No one shows up. It's really weird though. The candy that they put in this like they stock up is like bagged stuff that you would find in like a bake sale or something though. That's just Canada. I guess so. Yeah. I, mean, I keep forgetting it's in Canada. Probably cuz nobody says sorry in this episode. So anyway, the kids they just run away. As the double doors behind them close on their own again. Those fucking double doors, man. They must be on like a motion control or something. We're shown Vink's film box lighting up red again. And then we get like a commercial break. And back from the commercial break, we get a goddamn Midnight Society interlude. Which I was disappointed about because I thought we were done with these things. You promised me. You gave me your word that there was not another interlude ever (laughs) again. I so your word Cortland the only thing I can think is that they were like shit we're like a minute we need to fill like a minute what are we gonna do and DJ McHale was like I know guys another interlude (laughs) I did like this one because there's a very good shot of Gary chomping on popcorn on the edge of his seat (laughs) he is way fucking into the story he's like what happens next? Well, it's probably because nobody's going to invite him to that movie. So he's like, well, this is my only entertainment for the night. I got to fucking t- take the whole thing in, you know? Yeah. Where'd they get that popcorn, though? They didn't have it when they started. And it's the same no. containers as from the, the, the episode. Yeah, I have to assume 
that Frank brought it as a prop for the story. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to give people fucking popcorn. Well, anyway, Frank says that Vink's movie was a smash, so they started a Saturday night Midnight Madness show, and it became a huge cult hit. It got so busy that the owners decided not to sell, and it shows each Midnight Society member eating that fucking popcorn, and uh, Kristen says, just like Dr. Vink predicted, and then Frank Are you says, "Fucking kidding me, Chris." Think <laughs> the, the characters in the story already said that they did. Yes, like this isn't even that. a case where Kiki's like, "Ah, two wishes." No, no, this is not just something that we already know. It's something the characters in the story already know. Yeah, and then she says it, and then Frank says the same thing again. So three times in a row, they're like. This is what Dr. Vink said was going to happen. And then Kristen's like, that's what Dr. Vink said was going to happen. And then Frank's like, that was what Dr. Vink said was going to happen. I'm just like, oh my God, back to the story. <laughs> yes, Dr. Vink said a thing. Let's go. <laughs> We're showing the theater screen that's playing Nosferatu. And some dude runs in uh, into the room that's lit by torches. And there's a coffin in the middle of it. And it's, it's, it's a silent movie. So when he starts talking, we're just showing a screen of what he said. Which is the light. I must get the coffin into the light before the demon returns. And it shows us the theater, which is just packed with people. Um, of course, our favorite old lady's just right in front. And back on screen, the guy grabs the coffin and he starts to pull it when down the corridor steps Nosferatu with his claw-like hands and his buck-like fangs. Nosferatu says, too late, Harker. And the guy on screen drops the coffin as Nosferatu just like quickly steps up to him and he grabs the dude and he bites his neck. He gives a sweet little victory pose, and the movie's over. Harker. Is that something? I think so. I think it is, too. I think it's from Dracula. Mm. Which Nosferatu, I think, was like just a an unlicensed retelling of Dracula with names changed and stuff. Because oh. <clears throat> the vampire's name isn't actually Nosferatu. I think it's Count Orlok. Yeah, that sounds right. I don't know, but Nosferatu is just like a tongue turner. So I think from now on, I'm just going to call him Nossy. <sighs> Sounds good. All right. The audience claps and, and hoots and stuff. And Pete looks at Katie and smiles. And after Pete thanks all the guests for coming as they're leaving the room, Katie runs up to him and tells Pete there were major popcorn sales. The place is a mess. Yes. And they kind of like high five. And Pete starts saying, I was thinking, you know, uh, oh my God, maybe after Pete. we clean that up, we could... Uh, Jesus Christ, dude. She doesn't fucking like you. I mean, she does, but (laughs) she doesn't. He uh, goes to close those double doors, uh, but Dr. Vink interrupts this nice scene by grabbing Pete's hand, and he says, Evening, lad. And Pete backs up next to Katie, and they both utter out a, a Dr. Vink. And Vink says he thought he'd stop by and see how it was going. And Pete tells him his film's a real smash. It's unbelievable. People are piling in, staying for two shows, and bringing friends. And behind the kids, the greasy manager guy steps out and he says, There you are! And he laughs like an idiot. And he walks up and he shakes the hand of the man who saved the theater. And he asks him where he's been. And Vink says he thought it was best to keep his distance until the success of the theater was assured. Just like he said he would. And the manager's like, Success? Ha, we're killing him. And don't think I forgot about uh, who we could thank for that. It's time we made a deal for that masterpiece of yours. <laughs> and Vink and the manager start walking and talking. 
Vink tells him we already have a deal. You're going to play my other movies once a week. And the manager asks if he was serious about that. And Vink's like, well, yeah, I am. And then the manager looks at the doc and he says, I can't be playing that old shit movies during the week. <laughs> Saturday night at midnight, maybe. He says, I'm getting A-list movies now and there's no room for your horse shit. And how about I just write you a check? And he touches Vink's shoulder and Vink tells him, I don't want your money. And he grabs his hand and he moves it away. And Vink tells the guy he doesn't want his friendship either. And he just wants his theater. And he gives the manager some great advice saying that you shouldn't make a bargain if you can't honor the commitments. He's actually pretty menacing in this moment. Dr. Vink? Yeah, I thought so. I wasn't like feeling any kind of menace or intimidation from him in the phantom cab when he was like literally like i'm gonna chop off these little boys hands or anything <laughs> yeah but in this one where he's like show my movies it's <laughs> you're like <laughs> oh my god you're like oh no you know what i'm on vink's side this i was whole like time. fanning myself yeah i mean it's really shitty to back out on the deal when you know he's fulfilled his end of the bargain so he tells vink nope not happening if you want money that's fine but you're not getting the theater end of story and this wide range of emotions just flashes across vink's face like he gets super pissed and he gets like i don't know like intrigued and then he settles on hysterical laughter which is never a good thing no (laughs) and he points with his fingers at something and says that's where you're wrong, my friend. And he scoots everyone aside as he makes for the door, saying, This story is far, far from over. In fact, it's only just beginning. And he laughs a bunch as the doors close, and the kids and the manager stare after him for a few moments. Um, and the manager s- says, If he doesn't get, if he doesn't want to get paid for his film, that's his problem. And he just douchebaggy laughs while Katie looks over at him and then. From now on, I'm just going to call him the douchebag manager. The DBM, he walks away, and the scene changes. So next up, we see Pete watching Nosferatu alone and taking notes. And we also get a voiceover from Frank. He says, The Rialto continued to do well, all thanks to Dr. Vink's strange movie. And Pete wanted to study it to see what was so magical about it. Yeah, I want to see those notes. What was he writing down? I couldn't even begin to imagine. It has to be just what is happening on screen. And then he just reads it back and he's like, oh, the part where the vampire bites the person. That's why people love it. (laughs) Maybe it's everything building up to the point that we get to see. But unfortunately, Frank says he was about to find out what the magic was. While Frank's blabbing about all this shit, we see the same scene from Nosferatu where the guy gets nibbled on. And this time it's a little different, though. Um, Instead of Nossi doing a sweet pose and the end popping up, uh, he does his pose, but he looks at the camera and in the theater, Pete starts to fall asleep. But while in the movie, Nossi moves closer to the front of the chamber until he just walks right out of the damn movie. And a clap of thunder wakes Pete up and the screen is just all fuzzy. So I got to ask. Yep. No one's in this theater when he's writing his notes. Right. So is he, he watching this movie before the theater opens or after it's closed? I'm going to say it's after the, like after Vink did his little thing for my, for our sake, let's say it's the same night after Midnight Madness happened. So it's like one o'clock in the fucking morning and he's watching a movie at his job and his parents okay. don't care. I'm just wondering because 
earlier it said ticket sales were going down even though only one woman was showing up so presumably there's no people showing up would they still just show the movie to an empty room or would they just be like meh i've always wondered that didn't you have a cousin that worked in a movie theater you could ask him maybe i don't know (laughs) how common do you think it is that no one shows up to a movie well i mean one time my wife and I, we went and seen like Saw 4 or something. I don't even remember which one it was. And it was just me, her, and a co-worker we had. And then behind us were was a girl with like two four-year-old kids. <laughs> At Saw? Yes. What the hell? Not even joking. And that was the only people in the theater. Did they stay during the whole movie? The whole fucking... And the whole time, because Kim hates horror movies. She, I had to beg her to watch this with me. And she hates it. And and the whole time is just like this blood and guts and fucking saw blades flying into people and shit. And and we're just like looking back like, are the kids still here? Yep, they're still here. Like <laughs> Kim's trying to watch it through like fingers and stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah, I never thought I would have so many stories about movie theaters. I was but, just yep, thinking you have a lot of interesting movie theater experiences. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like the one time that I snuck. I snuck in an entire smoothie. It was actually to Wally. I stuck in an entire tropical smoothie. After they gave you that that ticket for free. I wanted a smoothie. (laughs) Smoothies are great. Contraband. (laughs) They didn't offer me a tropical smoothie in the theater, so I had to smuggle it in like some sort of fucking crime lord. How did you bring it in? Under your hat? No, I had like really deep pockets on my my pants. You had so. a fucking smoothie pocket. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was Jeez. like giant cargo pants. It All was right. the late 2000s, okay? And no one was like, "Um, sir, is that a smoothie in your pants?" No, nobody cares. It's just a bunch of kids like these kids. The kids sir, in this show wouldn't care if that dripping. old lady had a fucking smoothie up her hat. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so back of the episode, Pete giggles to himself and he walks out to the concession stand to talk with Katie and he tells her that he had this weird dream about how Nosferatu stepped out of the movie and Katie laughs at him saying he thinks that he's just worked here too long and then we get a point of view shot of somebody walking down a hallway and back with Pete and Katie, Pete says, hey Katie, I know you think I'm a geek and Katie says, you're not a geek, Pete, you're a nerd and she laughs and <laughs> laugh. leave her alone for just one scene no sexual harassment and she, remember how good, great it was in super specs yes <laughs> it was amazing <Yaza>. and <laughs> so katie laughs and she's like i'm just kidding and then back with the point of view shot it enters into a room and the manager guy is sitting there like filing his nails or something with his back to the door and then we go back with Pete and Kate. Pete is struggling to tell Katie he likes her, but she's like, it's okay, Pete. I like you too. Yeah. I know. It is so cute. And they go in for a smooch, <laughs> but they're interrupted. They go from like, uh, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to spend time with you to like, oh, you know what? I like you. Let's just make out. Yeah. Let's just Very kiss. quick. <laughs> like we're boyfriend and girlfriend now. We're engaged. We're married. Yeah. <laughs> They're having kids right fucking in the concession stand. You like me? All right. We're married now. You like me? And they vacuum seal their smooches together. 
But no, they don't because the manager guy screams and the kids run up to his office door and they're calling for him. His name is Mr. Kristoff, but who cares because he's just douchebag manager. And they open his door and they check him out, but he's slumped over in his chair and they move his head and they see two fang marks on the side of his neck. And uh, the makeup on that is not that great. No, it's like like two squirts of ketchup. Well, the blending on like the the fake wound is not even the same color as his skin, but that's okay. I'll give it a pass because the episode's really great. And Katie says, "Ew, gross!" And behind, and and she scoots behind Pete for safety. Pete picks up the phone to call for an ambulance, but the phone is dead, and he's like, "No way." And Pete says, we got to help. And But Katie says, okay, well, I'll stay with him. But Pete's like, no, fuck that shit. We stay together. Smart. I know, right? They run out of the... There's a fucking murderer in there. And they're like, oh, let's split up. Like, no, fuck you, Katie. Come with me. And that part's smart. But it's not going to be smart in a second here. So they run out of the room. And they go to help. They go to get help. And the camera pans over. And down the hallway, we see, like, a clawed hand shadow. The kids make it to the double doors, but they're locked. And Katie asks Pete what the fuck's going on. And he says, it's got to be Dr. Vink trying to scare us. And Katie says, well, he's doing a good job. And the door behind them starts to shake. And Katie and Pete hug. But uh, this time it's like in a scared way. And Pete's like, we know it's you, Dr. V. And the double doors open up and it isn't Dr. Vink. It's a fucking Nosferatu. Shit. Yeah. And the kids scream at it and they run away from Nossie. They run into the back room. And they close the door and they bar it. And Katie asks if that was the vampire. And Pete says, no, yes, maybe. I don't know. He says, maybe I did see it come out of that movie. And Katie's like, but movies aren't real. And the door behind them starts to shake again. And the kids do that little fear hug again. And the bar on the door raises up magically. But this time the kids are smarter and they don't want to see who it is. So they run the fuck out of there. And then we're given this really great shot. Of Nosferatu's like claw hand reaching around the door. You know, it's like tapping with all those long ass fingernails. And it reminds me of the cover art of Resident Evil 2. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. It reminds me of Nosferatu, the movie. Oh, does that happen in Nosferatu? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Like I said, I mean, it would make something great to do in it. (laughs) I haven't seen it either. But the shadows. Of the long claws and stuff. That's all straight from Nosferatu. Well, that's awesome. So the kids run up some stairs through the theater room and up into the projection room, just cornering themselves. Didn't we talk about this in in Laughing in the Dark? Yeah, we did. Like, oh, when a murderer is in the house, I like to go in places I can't get out of. That's what they just did. There's no way out except the way that they came in. And Katie's like, what the fuck are we going to do? And Pete says that this may sound crazy, but I'm pretty sure I watched the vampire come out of the film. He doesn't know how that happened, but it must be Dr. Vink doing something in the movie to get some revenge. So Pete comes up with an idea, but he doesn't exactly share it with us or Katie. He just tells her to run up to the last reel of the projector and play it. And he tells Katie he's going to try something stupid and to yell when the movie's ready. You gotta say, yeah. compared to other characters, Pete's figured out what's going on and what should he should do pretty quickly. Whereas someone like Ross from Pinball Wizard gets to the <laughs> end of the game and he's like, oh, wait, this is like the pinball. Yeah, I think that might be another reason why I like him, too, is that he's very not stupid, I guess. Yeah, he's like, huh, that vampire came out of the projection screen. All right, well, I got to go destroy it. He's yeah. just 
very on top of things on the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, he came out. Well, fuck. I got to figure out how to get him back in, you know? And yeah, then you know, kill him. Somebody <laughs> comes out of a movie screen, you got to deal with it. And mm-hmm. Shit happens. Yeah, so Pete runs back down and he's about to exit the room when he's greeted by a friendly Nosferatu <laughs> who's just coming at him and he tries asking who it is, like who he is and how he got there, but Nossi ain't talking. And up in the projection room, Katie yells down to Pete that it's all ready, which gets the attention of Nosferatu, who looks up and he starts heading towards her. And then, like, immediately the door to the projection room opens up and Nosferatu's there and he's doing this really cool pose where he's got, like, his, like, he's getting into his coffin. He's got, like, his hands, like, in an X. That's also from the film Nosferatu. <laughs> All right. I got to quit giving it so much credit that I guess, huh? <laughs> Yeah, this episode shit. Just watch Nosferatu, <laughs> folks. Yeah, because at this point in my notes, I'm like, you know, this monster design is pretty all right. Which it's based off of a really creepy looking monster, so of course it's going to be. Katie screams, and Nossie steps into the room, and it corners her real quick. And she's fingering around, and she flips the switch on the projector. And Nosferatu is about to bite her when it looks over at the screen, and then at the film, and then it exits the room. And Pete walks up to the film screen just really slowly, and then he steps right through it, and he goes into Nosferatu's chamber. It kind of reminded me of of Take On Me, the music video. Yeah. (laughs) I really liked the effect. I thought it was really well done. I did, too. Like, the screen's split in half. One side is the theater film in, in color, and then the other half of the screen is in the black and white in the chamber. And he just, like seamlessly like walks right through it and then he's in black and white yeah it was one of the moments where i was like yeah the production qualities really increased it was much better than for example the car yeah strolling through the great gate we don't talk about that (laughs) Uh, katie's just watching the whole time and she yells to pete to hurry and the camera moves down and it shows that nausea's just getting closer to the screen And in the movie, Pete tells the dead body of that one dude that got nibbled on that he's sorry, but I got to finish what you started. And he grabs the coffin. You know what? He talks during this whole thing, even though the film is a silent silent. film. Yeah. I was, I thought it would really have been cool if his dialogue came up as the titles. They could have done that and filled up time instead of doing the Midnight Society interlude. Yeah. That would have been been a cool touch, I think. So Nossie's making his way downtown, and he's walking fast, and he goes up the stairs to the stage, Al, and Pete's dragging it, and Nosferatu just, like, gets close enough that he just teleports right into the movie. Yeah, why not? I I, I kind of wish they would have done the effect again, but that's okay. Whatever. Nossie uh, starts hissing, and he makes, makes his way over to Pete, and Katie runs up to the screen and says, Pete, I'm going to stop the film, and he screams, No! I'll be trapped in here! <laughs> Why would she stop the film? I don't really know what she was thinking. He's like in the movie and she's like, all right, I'm turning this shit off. This is boring. (laughs) Uh, I've seen this one already. This movie sucks. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't understand what her thought process was. And I also don't understand how he knows he'd be trapped in there. Like, he's an expert on movie transportation magic all of a sudden. 
I mean, you know what, though? If I was in this position, I would probably come to the same conclusion. Yeah, I would have definitely assume that I'd be trapped in there for all eternity. I mean, it's not a Gary <laughs> story, so it's not guaranteed, but <laughs> yeah, I, I would think so. I would think so, too. So <laughs> I'd yell at her, too. I'd be like, nope, fuck you. I'd be trapped in here. Yeah. He did the right thing. Nossie's not letting up on him, though, and he backs Pete into a corner and Pete says, I've seen this movie, and I know how it ends, and I'm doing it right. I think that's what he says. It's kind of loud. And just as Nossie steps closer to him, Pete grabs the curtain of the window right off, and the sunlight comes in, and it hits Nosferatu, who is like, does he start screaming? I can't uh, remember. He makes a noise. He's like, Rrr. He's like, I'm melting. And um, Nosferatu drapes himself in the curtain to try and like block the sunlight, but it's too late. He melts down into like this puddle of puddle of smoke and and Pete lifts the curtain away and Nossie is just dust. And Katie's face looks disgusted for some reason and Pete walks out of the movie and the two hug and the douchebag manager comes out of nowhere and he's like what happened? Yeah. What a crazy out, dream. The vampire just made him sleepy. Yeah, that's just what vampires? <laughs> that's all they do. They do. He should have put a fucking nicotine patch on his neck to hide that <laughs> bite mark and when I went, went on with his life but nope he's like this movie's starting to get to me and the kids chuckle about it and then in the audience another person chuckles about it it's Dr. Is- Vink uh-huh. sorry <laughs> that reveal was too fast <laughs> he says bravo good show lad I couldn't have written it better myself and he's snacking on some popcorn yeah, where did he get that popcorn? He stole who it. Who served from him? <laughs> both of the people who work the concession stand were fighting a vampire at the time, so... He's magic. He just magic him some popcorn up. Like, this theater gets $6 a night, and now they're only going to get $4. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dr. Vink. Fucking Dr. Vink stealing popcorn. popcorn. stealing bastard. <laughs> well, you know what, though? It doesn't really matter. Dr. Vink says, and now for you, Kristoff. And and Kristoff stops him saying, a deal's a deal. You can have your one night a week. But Dr. Vink says, oh, that won't be necessary because you see, I've just purchased this theater. So that's how he got the popcorn. He just fucking served himself because it's his theater now. And he unfurls this piece of paper that he has stuffed in his popcorn cup, which would get really buttery, but that's whatever. And it's the deed to the theater and Pete's like, you what? And Vink says, oh, yes. Now I can show my films every night. And believe me, I've got many, many more that are far better than this one. And he laughs a whole bunch. And it's the end. Yeah, I mean. I would be okay with working for Dr. Vink. He seems like a pretty cool guy. <laughs> It's not really a happy ending. It's implied. I guess there's going to be monsters coming out of screens or whatever. But I mean, Pete and Katie can just quit. Yeah, that's right. That's what <laughs> Go I Go work somewhere else, not fight monsters. Yeah, he could be like, so Katie, about that quad. <laughs> yeah. Like, the only reason that the monster came out in the first place was because the douchebag manager was an asshole. Just fire him, fucking promote Pete. And it's going to be the best theater ever. What does Vink get out of this? Mm. He shows us films. People like him. Oh my gosh. I was on my way to work the other or yesterday when I was thinking about this. And this whole... Have you ever been to the subreddit for Choosy Beggars? No. 
So basically what it is is like the person has some art, right? And then a choosy beggar comes in and they're like, will you give me it for free? And they're like, no. And then the, the people counter with, well, you know, I got a million followers on Instagram. Uh, I'll, I'll do a shout out for you if you give it to me for free. Mm-hmm. And then the people are like, no. And then they post it to Reddit and Reddit laughs at them. This is, Fink is being like the opposite of a choosy beggar. He's like a beggy chooser. Yeah. He's like, here's my thing for free. It'll save you and make you a bunch of money. And I basically want nothing in return. And they're still <laughs> like, like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking about that on my way to work yesterday. It just made me laugh. Like <laughs> Vic is such a good guy in this episode. He, besides, so the, he, besides the fact that he almost killed everybody. He's a good guy. <laughs> so he bought the theater. Mm-hmm. Where did he get the money? He's Dr. Vink, man. He made movies. Do riddles bring in a lot of cash? He Okay, he probably conjured it up just like the popcorn. This guy's magic, man. No shit. Then he could have just conjured up a theater of his own and didn't need to buy this one. It probably isn't even the real deed. Like, how did he even know who to get in contact? Because Douchebag Manager doesn't own the thing. Yeah. Who knows? I don't think of this as a bad ending at all, though. Because, like you said, Pete and Katie can just quit... And I don't think that Vink has any reason to, you know, summon fucking monsters out of his movies anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a horrible ending. Like, no one died or was No one got trapped, trapped in a, a fucking crystal ball for eternity. No, it's just like, all right, he's going to play these movies and a wolf man's going to, like, come out and sit in a theater for a bit, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So back at the Midnight Society, Kristen smiles and Frank asks the gang, so who's going to go to that Fright Night? And Kiki's like, uh, it's getting late. And David agrees, saying he's he's kind of tired. And all the kids get up and leave as Gary dumps water on the fire. Kiki gives Frank her tickets to the show and Gary says, hey, Frank, I thought you weren't going to go to Fright Night. And he says, what? It's just a movie. And now I got two free passes. And Gary's like, sweet, let's go. The end. So Gary invites himself using Kiki's two passes. Yes. Gary got what he wanted in the end. (laughs) Gary got what he wanted. The whole reason for this episode was to steal Kiki's free passes. He just wanted a friend. The moral of the story is that friends are stupid. (laughs) They just want your stuff. (laughs) No, the moral of the story is probably like, don't fall asleep in movie theaters because you're going to waste your money. The moral of the story is you have to charge more for the concessions because mm-hmm. the tickets don't That's really where the money's at. bring in the dough. Fuck yeah. Popcorn and soda. Cause I don't, it's, it's expensive. Popcorn and fizzy drink are where <laughs> the money comes from. Without a doubt. Yes. Tale of midnight madness. There's, there's probably better, better names we could give it. What do you think? Yeah. All right. Let's think of some here. Uh, the tale of the reused soda cups. <laughs> the tale of the Bostick movie. Damn it. That was what I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> the tale of the rise of Bostick. <laughs> the tale of the free popcorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tale of, no, I was going to say the tale of Dr. Vink's return, but that's spoilers territory right there. Yeah. You wouldn't want to spoil it. Spoilers. You know, you could just do like the tale of Nosferatu. Yeah. The tale of the boy who couldn't take a hint. <laughs> uh, the tale of the day drinker. <laughs> <laughs> the tale of the last action hero. 
Ooh. Did you ever see that movie? Now, is that the one that has Arnold Schwarzenegger at Christmas time trying to get the two of a man doll? No. no That's shit. Jingle All the Way. Very different movie. You're right. It does Last have Arnold here is Schwarzenegger. The one where, where the kid goes into the movie, isn't it? Yeah. And at the end, things come out of the movie. It's very similar. Hmm. All right. Yeah. I like that. I think I've seen some of it with you. It's a great movie. I just get my Arnold Schwarzenegger movies mixed up sometimes. Is that the one where he's pregnant? <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, that's the one where the predator shows up and (laughs) he's got a baby in his belly. (laughs) Danny DeVito's the dad, and (laughs) and he's like, "Freeze, (laughs) freeze! I'm the Terminator." Also, get to the chopper. (laughs) And he's got the He-Man sword. (laughs) Oh, was Arnold Schwarzenegger He-Man? No, he was. He wasn't. Are you sure? Oh, fuck, yeah, you're right. He was Conan. Okay. Oh, man. So, on a side note, there's this movie called Hercules with Lou Ferrigno in it, and I guess he throws a cow into outer space in it. <laughs> what the hell? That sounds awesome. <laughs> I know. I know. I gotta watch that shit. All right. So, Brandon, the next episode on our list is called The Tale of Locker 22. Who do you think tells that story? <sighs> think this is a kiki hmm. okay you hear the tale of the locker 22 what do you think this one's going to be about i think this one is about a 14 year old girl mm-hmm. and she moves to a new school okay and everything seems to be going well until she starts hearing stories of there's a old tale that this one locker at this school is haunted mm-hmm and she gets sucked inside the locker and killed. Oh my god. Okay. All right, that takes a turn for like the quick and dirty. It's brutal. It's a brutal episode. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I can't wait for Kiki's fucking death locker. Yeah, Kiki. Jesus. <sighs> Tone it down, Kiki. We can't take this shit anymore. Yeah, come on, Kiki. <laughs> it's too scary. <laughs> For now, though, Brandon, I'm really tired. I think I'm going to get going to sleep. It's been up all night. Good night and good riddance. Good night. And uh, I'll talk to you in uh, in a week. All right. <sighs> I'll see you. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Six pack.